Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Thursday, October 26th. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, a federal judge rules that the state's voting maps need to be redrawn because they violate the Voting Rights Act. Georgia's lieutenant governor says he wants to pay teachers to carry guns in schools, and the city of Atlanta and the owner of a crumbling housing complex are fighting over the property's future. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. A federal judge has ordered Georgia lawmakers to create new redistricting maps, finding several state legislative and congressional boundaries violate the Voting Rights Act. GPB's Stephen Fowler has more. Much of Georgia's population growth the last decade has been driven by non-white voters in Metro Atlanta, but that wasn't reflected in the GOP-led legislature's redistricting maps in 2021. Now, Judge Steve Jones says those maps violated federal law and minimized black voting power. The 516-page ruling finds that there should be an additional majority black district in several areas, including one congressional district and state house district centered west of Atlanta, two new house and two senate districts in Atlanta's southern suburbs, and two new house districts around Macon. He gives lawmakers a deadline of December 8th to hold a special session and pass new boundaries. It's likely the state appeals. For GPB News, I'm Stephen Fowler. Georgia's lieutenant governor says he wants to pay teachers $10,000 a year to carry guns in school. Republican Burt Jones said yesterday that he intends to push the measure in the state Senate during the General Assembly session that begins in January. The proposal drew immediate criticism from teacher groups. Lisa Morgan, president of the Georgia Association of Educators, called the idea dangerous and misguided. It is horrifying and appalling to me that anyone would think someone who has devoted their lives to caring for students would want to introduce a firearm into the classroom. Jones says arming teachers would be voluntary for school districts and teachers and include pay for teachers to take firearms training. It's unclear if his plan has the support of other top Georgia Republicans. The state House Speaker, Governor, and state school superintendent did not respond to requests for comment. A man from northwest Georgia's Bartow County has been arrested in connection with the January 6th attacks on the U.S. Capitol. The U.S. District Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C. said yesterday that 31-year-old Jacob Davis of Adairsville was arrested last week and charged with multiple felony and misdemeanor offenses. Prosecutors allege Davis was part of a large group of violent rioters that pushed themselves against police as they attempted to breach the building. They also allege that he hurled a long wooden board that landed on officers' heads. Davis is one of at least 24 Georgians and more than 1,100 individuals total to be arrested in connection with the events of January 6, 2021. Robbins Air Force Base is adding two new units that will hire more than 300 employees. Air Force officials said yesterday the 350th Spectrum Warfare Wing is the next step in the creation of a group centered on electronic warfare. The wing's colonel, Joshua Kozlov, said Robbins will be the heart of the Air Force mission currently based in Florida. Our mission necessitates a diverse array of skill sets encompassing engineers, electronic warfare officers, uh, software programmers, intelligence professionals, tacticians, mission planners and aircraft operators, and maintainers. And we're going to bring all that to Georgia, middle Georgia. The Air Force planned to bring the units to Robbins in 2027, but pushed up the timeline. One of Georgia's largest mortgage lenders says it plans to cease operations at the end of the year. Gainesville-based Homestar announced on Monday that it's shutting down on the heels of additional mortgage volatility driven by rising interest rates. 
The 21-year-old company said it will continue to lock in loan interest rates through the end of the month and fund all loans in its pipeline. Homestar operates more than 50 branches across the country, according to Housing Wire. It originated more than $10 billion in consumer mortgages over the past five years. That's according to the company. The city of Atlanta and the owners of the Forest Cove Apartments are battling in court over the fate of the now-vacant subsidized housing complex. For years, Forest Cove had been a crumbling hazard for its occupants. Its new owners hope to avoid having to demolish the apartments so they can be rebuilt. A pending lawsuit the city of Atlanta announced earlier this month argues it's owed millions for relocating Forest Cove's former tenants. Kurt Lentz is counsel for the real estate company Millennia, which owns Forest Cove through its subsidiary, Phoenix Ridge. Kurt, thank you so much for speaking with me. Yeah, thank you, Peter, and um, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. I understand you're still waiting for the lawsuit to be filed, uh, the one the city announced earlier this month, but Millennia, Phoenix Ridge, is suing the city of Atlanta. You're saying the city harmed your clients by seeking to demolish Forest Cove. Can you tell us a little more about that? So Forest Cove is a Section 8-based housing project, which means that HUD uh, rental subsidies run with that property. Um, In order for those rental subsidies to continue to run with the property, the property has, has to be there. Meaning to preserve those rental subsidies, it can't be demolished, it has to be renovated. Is that what you're saying? Yes, it, it can't be completely raised. Phoenix Ridge was set to spend $60 million tearing it down to the joists and the studs and building back the same 396 affordable housing units in Forest Cove that were existing when we purchased the property in April of 2021. What happened, though, was that the city filed an action against the property seeking to demolish it. And once they obtained that demolition order, it put a halt to everything that we were trying to do with the property. After your client purchased Forest Cove in April of 2021, the problems didn't go away. Three months later, police found 150 code violations, including broken windows, open vacant units, severe overgrowth, burned buildings, trash. This was months before the order to demolish the property. Could your client have worked harder to make it a better living environment and in some ways avoided the demolition order altogether? I mean, the conditions were pretty bad after millennia through Phoenix Ridge took ownership. Uh, that, that, you know, the code violations were there. Um, and, and I think that speaks to the scope of what Phoenix Ridge was going to do. Um, Forest Cove had been allowed to deteriorate for decades. Um, under previous ownership, under, you know, lapse code enforcement. It had gotten to the point that it was in April of 2021, and then in December of 21 or July of 21, when those code violations um, were cited um, because of decades of neglect. I I don't know what the 150 code violations were. I'd have to, to check to see what they were. Just to be clear, some of those violations were trash, broken windows. Broken windows can be fixed in a day. And there were people still living there. And in fact, the last resident moved out in the end of September 2022. That's more than a year and a quarter later. And I also will add, Millennia was managing the property in 2017, four years before that point. And those problems like crime, mold, trash, broken windows persisted for that long. Why wasn't Millennia stepping up when residents were asking for help back then? I, I think Millennia was doing Millennia was doing what it was 
able to do. Um, and Millennia, you know, even though it wasn't the owner at that point, spent millions of dollars on the property, um, infused capital. But uh, yeah, again, a lot of these these things, you know, you mentioned Windows being a quick fix. Um, a lot of the other persistent issues are are not quick fixes. They're they're not, you know, meant to uh, the the property. If if you've seen it, um, needed to be completely rebuilt, and and that is what. That is what Phoenix Ridge and Millennia came to the table to do. Mm-hmm. In May of 2022, Andre Dickens, Mayor Andre Dickens, uh, committed to use more than $9 million in, in federal funds to pay for the relocation of those residents. Was there an agreement at the time that Millennia would, would reimburse? Um, there was. What the agreement said was that we would reimburse the city of Atlanta once we were able to close on the financing for a um, rehabilitation, rebuild, or sale of the property. Um, And the conditions that would require us to do it, um, that the city agreed to, haven't been met, and and they haven't been met in large part because of the city's own actions and inactions under that agreement. That's Kurt Lentz, council representing the real estate company Millennia, which through its subsidiary Phoenix Ridge, owns Forest Cove Apartments. These apartments are in the Thomasville Heights neighborhood of Southeast Atlanta. Last month, the Atlanta City Council passed an ordinance to adopt the Thomasville Heights Neighborhood Plan as a non-binding guide for future development in the community. That plan includes developing parcels of land surrounding Forest Cove. Lent says this plan shows the city's motive for knocking down Forest Cove. He says the city wants mixed-income apartments and townhomes because it believes Thomasville Heights is the next Grant Park or Ormwood Park, meaning a neighborhood with lots of valuable property. Mayor Andre Dickens declined my request for an interview when we met at an event earlier this week. His communications manager said, not today, and his team has not responded to my request to find a time to talk. You can find more information about this story, including links to the Thomasville Heights neighborhood plan and Phoenix Ridge's suit against the city at gpb.org slash news. With this year's unpredictable weather, some trees have become zombies, or trees that look healthy but are actually sick. Jonathan McNeil with ArborGuard Atlanta says a warm winter followed by a hard freeze in March, as well as later heavy windstorms and tornadoes, pests and diseases can all cause zombie trees. Some signs of an unhealthy tree include hollow spots, dead wood, cracks in the tree, or even an excess lean. He says some are just sick and can be healed. But some trees are, you know, straight up zombie trees. It's just like that tree's destined for failure. Like it's got it's covered in mistletoe and has a pox lung canker. There's fungus all around the root plate and on the trunk. And like, you know, they still be hanging on, but eventually, you know, it's going to give way. He says the tree may otherwise show signs of life and a certified arborist can determine if it can be healed or needs to come down. In sports, the Georgia Bulldogs head into this weekend's matchup against Florida with the nation's longest winning streak of 24 games. They've won two in a row and five of six against the Gators in what's called the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. The game is played at the neutral site in Jacksonville. The Gators' home field is in Gainesville, Florida. Georgia quarterback Carson Beck will be the third Jacksonville native to start a QB in the series in his hometown. 
And the Atlanta Braves signed righty Pierce Johnson yesterday to a two-year contract worth more than $14 million guaranteed with a $7 million club option for 2026 that includes a quarter-million-dollar buyout. Johnson has agreed to donate 1% of his salary to the Atlanta Braves Foundation. The 32-year-old pitched a .76 ERA over 24 games with Braves this year after being acquired from the Rockies in July. And finally, actor and director Ethan Hawke will make an appearance in support of his new film Wildcat at the Rome International Film Festival in Rome, Georgia next week. Wildcat, directed by Ethan and starring his daughter Maya Hawke, is a biopic about Georgia novelist Flannery O'Connor that takes place as she tries to get her first novel published. The film will play on November 3rd at the DeSoto Theater. The Rome International Film Festival will run from November 2nd through the 5th and is celebrating its 20th year. There will be more than 125 film screenings over the long weekend. And that is it for this edition of Georgia Today. If you want to learn more about any of these stories, visit gpb.org news. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, take a moment and do it now. We're going to be back in your podcast feed tomorrow afternoon with all of the latest news from the Peach State. And if you've got feedback, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. The address is georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.